Um, so, we wanted to kind of tag team this this morning. Do you want to sit? Do you want to stand? Okay. All right. Um, I'm Brian. This is Mandy. We're the Harveys. We were a part of this fellowship for seven years, um, and we've been gone four years. If you've ever looked on the Facebook page for the church and wondered who's that family in the middle, that's us. So it might be time for you guys to take a new photo. I don't know. We've been gone a while. Um, but we, we currently live in England. Uh, we felt sent there by the Lord a couple of years ago. And so um, we've been asked to share a little bit about the work we've been doing. This church has been, uh, people have been supporting us through this church, which we greatly appreciate. So really kind of want to do three things in the next 30 minutes. Um, tell you a bit of who we are, how we got to England, what we've been doing over there, um, what it's like. Over there. How many people have ever been to England? Good number of you. Good, good, good. Uh, tell you a little bit of what we've been doing over there, and then and then Mandy's uh, has a word to share with with you this morning. So um, I'll take more of the more of the first part. Um, I just want to honor this place a little bit. It's, there's no way to sum up seven years of family and kingdom life in a place, but, uh, you know, I just walked back over to the kitchen there, and I was reminded of eating squirrel with Mark in the kitchen over there <laughs> that he had shot out of his back window. So, you know, so many great memories. <laughs> I mean, a, an odd thing for me, it's, it's weird um, when you come back to a place, but I, I love this carpet, and it's nasty, and it probably is going to have to go at some point, but I love this carpet, and I just remember, like, always seeing the, sort of, I just thinking about the river of God and seeing this carpet, and I, I to be honest, I've cried a lot of tears into this carpet. Um, I love this place, so, oh, okay, I'm going to cry. All right, um, being up here with, with Matt and Jen for so many years on the worship team, um, Getting to, uh, getting to songwrite with Ethan as a little dude. I don't know how little he was. He's gotten a lot bigger since I saw him last. Um, Victory Weekends. Um, Mark preaching here while our son escaped from the back room with a plate of food and ran in front of him during the sermon and spilled food all over the front here. Um, and, you know, it's, um, it, it, it was a really great family for us. And one of the moments that that became really clear to me was a, was a contrast. We, we felt called to leave Indy four years ago and move down to Nashville, where my wife is from. And when we moved, um, not, not our, our life group at the time had, had helped fix up a bunch of stuff that was wrong with our house. And then... Everybody showed up to pack the moving truck with us. I mean, there was like 30 people there. Zion Huber was a monster, like packing that truck. And, and you, I have this great picture of all of us there. And then we get down to Nashville. And it's 100 degrees and 100% humidity. And me and Ben, as a 13, 14-year-old, or, or well, he was a 12-year-old, unloading that truck alone. And it took hours. And you're just like, Oh, family, you know? And so I, I just bless you guys. You were such a great family for us. We learned so much here. And I bless the next steps for this place. So awesome, exciting things ahead for this church. So um, 
how did we get to England? Uh, who knows who Chris and Craig Westhoff are? Okay, most of you. Chris and Craig were here at the church um, for, for a few years as well. Um, Chris, run, Chris is a woman. Chris runs a, a, a ministry that she travels the world um, uh, and has relationship with a lot of different churches. And a church that she had had a relationship with for years is called Highway Christian Church. And it's in a town called Bister. Bister is about 30,000, lower middle class, uh, about 10 miles from Oxford. And so she has this relationship with this church through the years. And she and Nancy DeVito would go over there and once a year do do different things and and kind of Skype with the leaders and help with some oversight. Um, And so the, the main leading couple of that church named Andy and Louise... Um, they needed a sabbatical about how many years ago? Five, six six years ago. They they needed a sabbatical, so they came to America. And they visited here one morning. Uh, And they were interested in adoption from India. And as you saw, we have an adoption from India. So we went to Logan's Roadhouse, and we had a conversation about adoption. And that was about it. We didn't really talk ministry. Um, I remember one awkward moment where Andy was trying to give us a, a thumbs up, but he did it in a British way, and Mandy thought he wanted a fist bump, and so she reached across the table, and he looked at her like, what's happening? And little did we know, that would only be the beginning of our intercultural experiences. Um, so we had this nice, nice lunch, and I thought, that's a sweet couple, I'll never see them again. Um, we moved to Nashville four years ago, um, and that was difficult. That was not what we thought it was going to be. Um, I, maybe y'all's lives go exactly like you planned them. I don't know. Mine doesn't. And we, and we were in this really wilderness season where we weren't connecting. And it just felt, it began to feel like we were intentionally being thwarted from connecting. Um, it was like the people that we should have been friends with, we just couldn't connect with. And, and like, nothing, like on all fronts, nothing was working. And we just began to say, do you think God's prepping us to go somewhere? I mean, he had emptied us of everything, as Mandy's going to talk about a little more. And, um, and, and it was interesting. We had this family worship time. And we're praying with the kids and we're worshiping. And, and, and there was just this sense of anticipation. And it was like you could feel God like, I know something you don't know. <laughs> and he just wasn't going to tell us. And it was the weirdest thing. And I was like, did you feel this? And Mandy's like, yeah, I feel that. I feel like there's something coming. God's excited about it. He's not ready to show us yet. So this was like, I don't know, November or something. And January, February, um, Chris, who's still in connection with this couple, she they're, they're over there, and they're, they're, we've been praying for a more pastoral couple to come help us in the church. We just, we see there's a hole here, and we need this filled, and we've just been crying out to God for, for somebody. And, and then it just clicked off for Chris. She's like, I know somebody who's in a bit of a crossroads. So she reconnects us. We get on Skype with them at, at Starbucks with a very bad connection, and just to have a conversation 
oh yeah, I remember you guys. We went to Logan's and blah, 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 four years ago. And, and uh, by the end of a 45-minute conversation, the wives already knew. <laughs> Husbands sometimes take a little longer to catch up. Um, but the wives knew. And nine months later, we were living in England. We took our whole family, six over there, did all the thing. Um, uh, so... How many, let, let's see if you guys know, what do you think the percentage of church attendance is in England? Anybody have a guess? I hear 25. I hear 20. I hear 3. Larry says 5. Larry, ding, ding, ding. It's about 4.8, somewhere in there. So um, a country who's, uh, who has a national religion of Christianity Almost no one's going to church. Um, this has been a it's been a real shock for us to be in a compl- almost completely secular culture. Um, a couple of things I'll say just to set the scene a little bit about English culture, British culture. Has anyone lived in England here? Okay. Um, oh, we do have someone lived in England. Oh, okay. So you can amen me today, or if I'm wrong, tell me afterwards. Um, <laughs> You know, the, the sort of the things that you hear about, uh, what, keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on, okay? Um, that came out of the World War II mindset of basically if the Nazis take us over, this is our plan, keep calm and carry on. So the Nazis were on the doorstep of that culture, and, and they were bombing, and, and, you know, some of us are too young to know about this, but... It really changed the culture, and, and people, took, people took their hearts and swallowed them in some ways. Um, and, and so there's a, it, it's, I don't know who's going to be listening to this tape eventually, so I have to be careful. But um, there, there's, a, there's a disconnectedness. There's, a, there's, um, there's some intimacy problems. Um, just, to, just to give you a little bit of an idea, um, in the first, I'd say, six weeks we were there, I had three different men from the fellowship tell me that um, they were abused as children in the way that you would guess, which I'm not going to say out loud because we've got mixed company here, but um, that they had never told anyone, including their own wives. And so you have men carrying this for decades and decades and decades. Um, so we started a men's group. And... Um, the men's group has been going for a year. Um, we started with about eight guys. We've doubled that since then. We have new leaders raised up. Um, par- part of our role there has, has really been to help the church move from a task-oriented culture to a relationship-oriented culture. Um, I, I had one of the guys from the men's group after about three weeks say to me, this is the most intimacy with men I've ever experienced in my life. And I thought, like, we're just getting started. Like, we haven't even really gone that far yet. Um, so what we, we have, Mandy and I have felt, I'll, I'll speak for myself, I have felt been called there to be a mediator. Um, and that has, that has been between people in the church. We've had to see some reconciliation happen. We've seen some people come back to the fellowship. I and mean, this church has an amazing call on it. It's been around for 25 years, 
And the senior leader has been there for about 22 of those years. Um, it's 150, 200 would call it home. It's probably 100 come on a Sunday. Um, uh, could you put up the picture of the village hall? Um, I'll show you where we meet the other one. Okay, this is the village hall. This, this, there's no space in England to do anything. Um, the cars are small. The roads are small. The, the bathrooms are small. And, and so finding space is a, is a serious issue. So this is a, a village hall and a small village that they rent once a week for our meetings. It'd be like a community center. Yeah, like a little community center. We kind of meet in a gym, gymnasium area in there. And then the only building that the church owns is the other picture. Um, if this looks like a trailer on a sheep farm, it's because it's a trailer on a sheep farm. Uh, they call it a porta cabin, which somehow makes it sound nicer. Um, but uh, one, of the, one of the church families owns some farmland, and so this is the only building the church owns. So um, I get there and I find out that there, there, there's other people that have a heart to have a prayer room. And so this thing that's been sitting mostly vacant um, uh, has now become, did I send another image of the inside of that? I think I did. Uh, it's a bit dark. So this has been converted in, it, into an, an awesome prayer room. And so the church meets, um, uh, we, we have like a 24 seven uh, starting. <laughs> it's been like, what would it be, 3-8 or whatever. But we're, we're getting started with a prayer room there. Um, but we've, Mandy and I have really just felt called to, thanks, you can take that down. Mandy and I have just really felt called to hearts um, to help people open up to God and to one another. Um, the worship team was practicing music when we got there, um, two hours a week. And now we do, um, we rotate and meet in homes and um, we've invited the kids and the spouses, and everyone comes and they do a bring and share, which is their word for pitch in. We do a bring and share every single week, and then we have discipleship time where somebody shares a word or we have a discussion. And then instead of practicing music for an hour, we practice worshiping for an hour. And it's not about what's going to happen on Sunday, it's about what's happening right now. And it's about this meeting is its own reward. And just getting to be in the presence of God and getting to be with one another. And then people begin to open up. You know, when the presence of God comes and people begin to share prophetic words with one another. And, and just life begins to happen. And then that life spills over on Sunday. And people go, wow, it's, something's different. And uh, it's, just, it's just been awesome to see people begin to connect in those ways. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if I had, you know... Those of you who know me, God speaks to me in pictures constantly. It just helps me understand things. And um, before we moved, kind of encapsulate all of what he's just said, because it was one of those things where it was like God says go, and you go, and you're like, no, why am I going? Um, I mean, I know we know these people, and we know it's you. But um, so he gave me this picture, and I saw um, a tree, but it had it was you could see the tree with the ground level, and then you could see the root system. And the tree itself was actually very large and very healthy. Um, but the Lord said, um, 
And I saw the roots begin to swell and get bigger and go deeper. And then as a result, the branches could go further. And he said, I'm calling you to pour into the roots, into the unseen places in this place, in order that they can grow, that they can get stronger. And so I think that's kind of what he's alluded to. We've been called to hearts. We've been called to pastor. Um, The people that are there that already carry vision, that already carry gifts and things that need to be released that haven't been released yet. So that was kind of our... Okay, all right, that's what we'll do. Yeah, and and speaking of you don't really know why God's calling you until you get there. Um, The church had had been through a a couple of really difficult deaths um, about three, four years before we came. Uh, A young man uh, had gotten cancer and died, and and one of the sort of mamas of the church had had died of, of cancer as well. Um, and being the British culture, they just kind of moved on. And it was just kind of like, you know, nobody really knew what to do with it. Um, grief is not something handled very well sometimes in some cultures. And, and I think there, I know there had been a lot of hurt in the church, um, and people sort of not being given the permission to process that. And just being expected to move on. Um, so, um, about six months ago, we were having our worship meeting at our place where, where that I was just describing. And um, one of the, 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 there's a couple in, in this church that really kind of are the pillar mama and papa couple of the church. Um, and they live right across the street from us. So we're there, and I look out my back window, and I see this woman coming around, and she looks like she's seeing a ghost or something. And she does this to me. And I go outside, and she said, Dave's been in a motorcycle accident, and he's dead. And, of course, you're just completely undone. You don't even know what to say, but throw your arms around her. Um, I mean, it had happened an hour before. The cops were still at the house. Um, she needed us to call the church, tell people, and, and kind of take the next step. Um, and, of course, this was, a, this was a horrible thing to go through with the church. But I think God, I, I believe one of the reasons we're there, my counseling background and, and just who we are and coming from another culture we were able to help the people walk through the grief mm-hmm. and have a really open-hearted time together as a family and go, wow, God, like, we, we don't understand why, why you would take him. We don't understand how this could happen. And people were able to really grieve out loud. And, and I believe it was a healing thing for the church with the past and the, and the difficult things that they had, the, the difficult ways they had gone through grief in the past to, to really redeem that time for them um, and do it a different way this time. Um, and, and, and she's been amazing. The family's been amazing. She's gotten up to speak and, and really grieved out loud in front of everybody, but with hope and with joy. And, I mean, she's, uh, she's, just, she's just amazing. But to, to just communicate to you honestly about one of the reasons that we've been brought there, we believe it, is just to help them begin to do some of these relational and emotional things in a new way. And, and so, 
The, the last thing I'll, I'll say, lots of stories we could tell, um, is um, we, uh, last fall, we began, so we, we, we signed on for a three-year work visa to be there. And we, so we committed to the church. We're going to come for at least three years. We don't know if we're going to stay longer or not. Um, to make this story really short, um, back in January, February, as we're going, we kind of got to begin to make this decision. Come, come summer of 2019, are we going to stay longer or not? And we felt God really encouraging us to ask our kids what they wanted and what they needed. Um, Y'all probably know there's far too many stories of, of kids being just sort of drug around by ministry and their parents' call. Um, and we felt like God was like, sit down with the kids and ask them what they want, what they need. So we did that. We had an amazing meeting in February. Each of the kids spoke uh, like they were 10 years older than they really are, and they spoke from the heart and each one of them said, we, we want to move back to the States, and we want to move back to Indiana, um, which is nice because that's also what we wanted. <laughs> really helped that decision be simple. But we, we took it to the leadership team. We said, we're not, we're not saying this is our final decision, but, but through the spring, we've been praying with the leadership team. Meanwhile, God's doing some, some things in this other couple, the couple that we went there to join, and um, he's been there senior leader for 22 years they feel called away as well we didn't know that at the time so about about may we find out yeah they're also going to leave and probably they're going to leave before you leave so we announced to the church on july 22nd uh that all four of us are leaving uh which was an interesting sunday thankfully we'd gone to about 40 of them privately before that and talked to them so the the wind just didn't get sucked out of the whole room. But, but now I believe this is one of the calls for us as well. In the next year, in our final year there, we are going to help this church transition into what's next for it as a, as, as a fellowship, um, as a family. And it's like, oh, okay, mediator. Got it, God. Okay, yes, this too. So, um, you know, sometimes God calls you to things, and you don't, you don't know why until you get there. And so it's, and it's been... It's been an amazing time. We've gotten to, you know, see France and Sweden and take our kids to Wales and, you know, all these flags that are around the room. Um, but we've missed the States desperately. Um, you guys live in a great country. I don't know if you're aware of that. My, my heart will always be in England, too, but, but God bless America. Um, so... Um, I'm going to leave it with you. I would, I'd like to tell one more story, but I'm out of time. So, okay, I'll tell one story. Since you guys are doing Saturate Indie, I'll just encourage you with this. I am not an evangelist. Um, that does not come naturally for me, and so that's probably most of you as well. So let me just tell this cool story. Craig Westhoff is an evangelist. Craig came over and was encouraging us this summer and, I mean, we go out to lunch with these guys and, you know, you know, the waiter's in tears by the end of the meal because Craig's there. You know, it's just like, that's just how he is. You've been around people like that before. So I'm, after they left, uh, I'm, I'm walking out of our house and I'm going on a walk. I don't remember where I was going. But I, I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, um, do you want to do that thing Craig does? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I'm up for that. 
And so little did I know, about 200 yards later, I would run into this woman. There's a very schwanky, sort of Keystone at the Crossing type mall there. And, and this woman is outside of it, and she's scraping gum off of a bridge, off of a footbridge. And I walked by her, and I made some good-natured joke about what she was doing, which hopefully was funny. I don't know. And um, she stands up and starts talking to me, and she, um, she ha- uh, she's from Poland, and so I'm going to do a really bad uh, Eastern European accent. Um, and uh, she, uh, I-, I made some comment about this, and, sh- and she says, it's okay, because I am the master of my fate. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. And um, she tells me she's from Poland. She's been living there for six years, and she's, she's moving back to Poland in three weeks because she just doesn't want to do it anymore. And, um, and she says, you know, but if I think things, they will happen. And um, she said, you know, nothing makes life better except money. And so I am, be- I am thinking that I am going to be rich, and I'm going to make my life better. How's my accent? It's good. I didn't ask you. Um, and I said, well, I, actually, I, th- I think relationships are what make life worth living. And she says, yeah, yeah, me too. People, people they just work all the time and don't take time to just be. And I, and I said, um, she said, but I'm believing for, uh, for an empire because I create my own destiny. And I said, oh, well, I said, well I'm, a, I'm a Christian, and I actually believe God holds my destiny. And, and we work together on it. And she goes, yes. Someone is watching over us. You have to believe that. And I said, I, and I, she's just darling. So I said, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of people in Poland who are looking forward to having you back. And, 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 she, and just kind of talked a little bit about her excitement. And I said, can I pray for you just about this transition for you? And she's like, yes. So I just prayed. And it was no, like, words of knowledge or, like, there was no, there was nothing supernatural other than love about it. I just prayed, I, I just bless you to be back with your family and your friends that you've missed in the next season. And I want God to, whatever, whatever. I, a minute. I just prayed this simple prayer. I look up, and there's tears streaming down her face. She can't help herself. She just throws her arms around me and just holds me, like, to a point it was like a little too long and 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 I just I just said I said you know God God loves you and I said Jesus is real and she's like oh, it's not about Jesus but it's about how great people can be and there's just still good people in this world and and so I didn't lead her salvation that day and and she wasn't going to go with me on the Jesus thing but she'll remember it and she'll go back to Poland and God's going to use somebody else, and somebody else, and somebody else. Or, or he's going to come to her in a dream, or whatever he wants to do. But I just thought, like, yeah, that was pretty easy. I didn't even do anything miraculous. I just, I just was paying attention. So let me just bless you with that story. Um, okay, I'm going to try to be as brief as possible, because I know you guys have stuff to do. And... Um, but I just wanted to share a little bit about um, kind of t- to go into a little bit deeper about the cost of discipleship. Um, as I was reading through some scriptures, um, which I'm going to share with you this morning, there's one in Matthew 16, 
verse 24, if you could bring that one up for me. I like the Amplified Classic version because I like lots of words. I use lots of words, probably too many sometimes, um, which is why I let him do that part because he's way better at being concise. Um, But if you look at the scripture with me, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, forget himself in his own interests, and take up his cross and follow me, cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be, in dying also. Verse 25 goes on to say, um, For whoever's bent on saving his life, his comfort and security here shall lose it. Um, Now, I grew up in the church, and I grew up hearing that verse a lot. And as a matter of fact, I was kind of giggling to myself this morning because most of my experiences of missionaries coming back um, were like the women who had been in Africa and the men who'd been in Africa for a long time, and they showed up in like weird dresses, and they clicked and did other things. And and, you know, as a, as a kid growing up in the States, I'm like, oh, Jesus, please don't send me to Africa because I don't want to wear weird clothes and click. Um, and, so, and so anyway, so, you know, that was kind of my idea of missionaries growing up. Like, oh, my goodness. Um, and I certainly, but when you hear their stories, you know, about facing death and, and all this loss, I mean, there's another party that's like, mm, I don't think I want to do that either. Um, And so for most of my Christian life growing up, um, this, you know, this call to discipleship, this cost was not something really I was acquainted with. Um, My faith really didn't cost me a lot. Maybe an occasional derogatory comment or um, whatever, but it it just didn't cost me very much. Um, And in all honesty, I was all right with that for a while. Um, So I lived most of my life without feeling that loss and without feeling that cost. Um, but if you heard Brian talk about our two years um, before we went to England, when we got to Tennessee, um, were quite a wilderness. Um, I now refer to it as the great emptying because it was a complete emptying of just about everything. Um, from finances to security. And just to think about this, like I did not realize how much identity you draw from just your surroundings by your ability to go to know where you're going and know how to talk to people and all of that. It contributes to your sense of security. It contributes to your sense of identity in a way that you can't even possibly know. And there's no shame in that. Like there's no, you know, I'm not, I don't feel bad about that. It just kind of is the way it is. Um, but when we got, um, but when we got to Nashville, like he said, it was like <gasps> it almost took your breath away how alone we were. Um, you're like, holy cow! Like this is really hard. Like from the get go, and we didn't have a ton of direction there. And because we didn't have a ton of direction, even though God and I won't tell you the, the long version of this story, God was there. He was showing up so, to let us know, I'm still here. You're still mine. So there was a job, but it certainly wasn't what we thought. It wasn't where we thought. Um, you know, so financially, we really struggled. We went, you know, full. We went full. We went full of dreams. We went full of excitement. We went full of the love and kind of what we had gleaned from this place. We went full even from a financial standpoint, at least for us. Um, and yet what we experienced was a complete emptying of all of that. Um, and, and having experienced the loss of even 
um, the finances for the dream that we thought was God's dream for us while we were there. So um, to not belabor that too much, but just if I could just paint that picture, um, you know, and sometimes we experience those things as a result of bad choices we make. But <coughs> Excuse me. This was as a result. We open that. <coughs> this was as a result of our obedience to the Lord. Um, so that becomes a bit trickier in your heart. That becomes a little bit trickier with your faith. Um, you know, we experienced a loss of happiness. It was funny. When we got here, after about 24 hours, I'm like, what is this? What is this, this thing I feel, this lightness? And I'm like, oh, happiness. Like, I remember happiness. Like, and you know, we all know happiness is fleeting and joy is different and joy can come in the dark places, but happiness is just kind of that, oh, yay. And so, um, but you know, that was not in our wilderness. There was a couple of years where happiness was not, it just wasn't there. Um, you know, I think you struggled quite a bit as well while we were there with some depression and some other things. So it was just, it was a dark, it was a really dark, dark place. Um, you know, then going to England, we're like, okay, well, we know the Lord's in this. Um, we see as much as we can see, and this is good. Um, but we're still experiencing loss at that point. We're still experiencing grief at that point. Um, so I'm just, um, I'm thinking about all this and, um, you know, and you often just want to cry out for answers like, Lord, um, cause when somebody talks about something that's negative that happens to them, what we love to be able to do, and people have asked us this, well, what do you think God was doing in that season? You know, because they kind of want a bow around it. Cause we don't, we don't want to think that this thing that we're doing is going to cost us something, um, really horrible and that we might not even know about why. But to be quite honest, that was another thing that the Lord was calling me to surrender. Um, we're not entitled to answers for our own story. Um, because the call to, of discipleship, this call that's on our lives is a complete surrender of every right that we have. We don't even have the right to understand some of the things that God does. And that's a hard one to swallow. That's some massive levels of trust. Um, so, um, and I've come to understand, if you look, I think Paul understood this too. Um, but if you pull up 1 Corinthians 15, 19, it says, if we who are abiding in Christ have hope only in this life, and that is all, then we are of all people most miserable and to be pitied. And it's true. If this world is all there is, I will tell you our last four years weren't worth it. They weren't. In the natural, it's not worth that because it's one thing to obey the Lord and to have a cost for yourself, but it cost my family something. My mama still isn't real excited about it. <laughs> um, you know, and so when your obedience causes other people pain, um, causes your own children to, to struggle with things. Like, that's when you have to go, oh, my word, what is this thing I've been caught up in? And Paul understood it. He's like, in the natural, like, there are times where it won't make sense and it will not be beneficial. Um, but there is hope. 
you know, and this is what I love about the Lord, um, that even though it's, it's too high of a price to pay in the natural, he gives us some encouragement. And I want to encourage you with two things. First, you know, you hear quite frequently, if you pull up Second um, Corinthians 4, 17, for our light and momentary affliction, this slight distress, which I would, I would disagree with the word slight in that, <clears throat> but that's just me. Um, the slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory. And so, yes, I do have comfort in my faith, the faith in the unseen, the faith that there's a hope that's coming um, that will make all of the, the, the difficulty worth it. And I know that and I, and I get it. Um, but there are also times where that's not enough. Just the, the knowledge isn't enough. Um, and it takes, I feel like for me, it has taken an experiential pressing in of the treasure of who Jesus is. Because that's available to us now. Heaven will be ours and we'll inherit that later. But Jesus is our now. He is our treasure now. He's the treasure, period. But we don't have to wait to experience him. Um, if you look at Philippians 3, 8, it says, um, I count everything loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. And so as I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about what you guys have ahead of you and this initiative and whatnot, um, you know, I, it's, it's of utmost importance. You might not face some of the loss that I've faced yet. I can't promise you. I'm no one. No one can make any promises. And, and you know, we have, you know, friends who came from Syria you know, or Lebanon, and they face death on a daily basis. That's not even my story. So we don't know what the loss is that we're going to have to face. Um, but in those moments, we got to know our hope, and we got to know Jesus in, in the now. We, he has to be what we're drawing from. And I just want to leave you, um, too, I'm just going to share this other picture that God gave me. This was part of my, um, my experience with Jesus that has helped me in the, in the moment. But um, in prayer, over the course of the last couple of years, the Lord's given me this gift where I... Um, he will take me, and I'm going to write this all down one day because it's pretty extensive and it's so him. But he's taken me to this place in prayer where I can see us in a garden. And this garden is called the Garden of Abiding. And it's the place that I live my life out with him. And he shows me things and it's, he laughs. He's like, I know you don't know that word that you just said, so it has to be Jesus. Because Jesus uses big words with me. Um, but in this garden... There is a spot, and I'm going to read this part to you, that Jesus and I will come to frequently. And it's called, it's this little mosaic table. It's like a cafe table for two. And we often sit down. And the first time I sat down there with him, he said, this is the table of consternation and discussion. And I'm like, 
consternation. I got to look that up. And it was, it's this distressing thing and it's this mosaic and it's my life. And there have been times where I'll come to this table and I'll pick up a piece of the mosaic with great consternation and angst and be like, what about this piece? What about this? Like, can you, and he's in, in this place, he's like, I invite you to come and let's talk about this together. I invite you to come and wrestle these, these unseen, unknown places out. And so when he invited me that morning to the table of consternation and discussion, I'm looking at this mosaic and I'm specifically talking about this wilderness time with him. And the mosaic, those pieces were black. And that is exactly how I felt. They were black and they were dark. Um, But Jesus picked up those pieces and he brushed off easily the black. And he smiled at me and he said, it's just soot. Um, And I noticed the rough carpenter's hands and his face and his beard and even the imperfections of his very skin. He said, the soot was left over from the fire of refining. And as he brushed away the soot, it revealed a piece whose edge was outlined in gold. And the piece itself had gold flecks, gilding in it. He says, the places that represent your deepest level of confusion and hurt are the very places where your faith was tested the most. And then he proceeded to put that piece in his pocket, and he got it from the table. And I asked him, like, why did you put that in your pocket? He said, I wanted to hold it close to me. Um, And then he said, I gilded this piece personally. It It wasn't life that did the burnishing. It was my very hands. It was my handiwork. It was my masterpiece as the gilder. And I just, um, I have clinged to that picture from the Lord that I don't have answers regarding that wilderness. And sometimes we don't get those, but the very fact that it was precious to him, he didn't change, he didn't give me revelation, but what he has done is given me his heart and his perspective. And we cannot, we cannot fulfill the call that he has on our lives if we do not know his heart. So, and that was, that's just what I'm leaving you with this morning is just the encouragement um, to keep, and I believe you are, just his heart has been lifted up here in this place. It's been talked about as the focus has been on Christ, um, but sometimes you might find yourself in your life where you are actually really desperate for that. And it's a good thing to continue to cultivate seeing Jesus and, and experiencing Jesus and deepening that relationship with Jesus because you never know when you might really, really need that to go on. So, yeah. Is it okay if I pray for you guys this morning? Okay. <sighs> Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. Um, Lord, as I've just shared just what you've put on my heart and just what you've spoken, Lord. I just know that your spirit comes and you work and you do things. And I'm asking right now, Father, um, just a blessing over everything that you're doing here. Um, And I ask, Father, that you would bless people with courage. Lord, courage to go, courage to say the things they feel called to say. Lord, courage to continue to press into you, Father. Lord, I pray for eyes and ears to be open to the ways that you are all around them, loving them. Father, because we can't give away something we don't have. Jesus, we need to know you. We are not dealing um, 
a, another church membership. We aren't, we aren't passing out flyers for anything other than the opportunity for people to meet you. We're dealing Jesus. That's what we're doing. And so, Father, um, in that, we have to know the one we're dealing And so I just ask God for revelations upon revelations, God. There is no end to you, Jesus. There is no end to the depth of the beauty of the treasure of Jesus. So I pray this body would be a body who could corporately come together and share revelation upon revelation of who Jesus is. And it would be experiential and it would be corporately and it would be individually, Jesus. So that might go out in this city and that Jesus could be lifted up and seen for more than what he is currently, Father. Would you just increase, increase our knowledge of you, our experience with you in our hearts, in this place and in this city, Father. We just thank you, Jesus. It's all these things we pray in your name.